welcome to the next installment of the SUAS News Podcast Series, where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your program host, as always, Patrick Egan. Again, this week it looks like we may be flying solo, as Mr. Gene Robinson is out in the field flying for NIST. Uh, They're doing some testing out there. He was going to try and call in from the field, but they may be outside of what we would call acceptable cell service. Uh, So we'll stand by. He may call in during the show. If not, we'll hear about the NIST, NIST exploits next week. Anyway, before we get rolling and bring our guest on, I want to talk a little bit about the small unmanned systems business exposition that SUS News is producing um, here in San Francisco on the 25th and 26th of July. And I just want to give you a small sampling of some of the speakers. We've got uh, Dr. John Appleby from DHS. He's going to talk about uh, some of the the work that they've been doing to expedite the COA process and some testing that they've done with uh, small unmanned aircraft systems. We've got um, uh, Professor Ken Giles from uh, UC Davis, PhD. He's been in the news uh, pretty recently here. He's flying a uh, Yamaha R-Max for some agricultural work. We got Tad McGeer. He's the CEO of Aerovel. This guy uh, started in situ and the Scan Eagle um Aerosond and also I believe was a founding member of Aurora Flight Sciences. This guy's got uh tons of good stories. Uh Gary Mortimer, we're gonna try and bring him in live via internet through uh from from South well, the Zulu Kingdom in Africa. We got uh Ted Wares Banowski. <clears throat> He's gonna give us the F thirty eight update. And a couple of other people, I suggest you get over to the website, uh, susbexpo.com. Register. Tickets are going fast. It's going to be a, a history-making show, and you're going to want to be there. All right. Is this Mr. Gene Robinson? In the flesh. Finally made it in. How are you, Patrick? Good. You're getting later and later each show. It's great. <laughs> Sorry about that. I can see it, you know, a couple weeks from now, and I'm going to be, like, doing the wrap-up, you know. All right, well, we'll see everyone next week. Hey, it's Gene Robinson. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's a pesky thing. I had to finish that last landing approach. You know, flying is easy. It's the last little bit that you've got to get right. So I had to concentrate on that. All right, well, let it go this time. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't just drop everything and be on the show. I understand. Um, You know. We uh, I ran over some of the stuff about the show, uh, the the Small Unmanned Systems right. Business Expo, which is going bananas. It's uh, right. pretty involved, but it's starting to shape up. People are getting excited. Uh, actually, we're uh, we're going to actually uh, confirm Gretchen West also is going to give us fifteen minutes of, let's say, the benefits of joining a UBSI. So that ought to be interesting right. too. Uh, tell us a little about what you're doing out there for NIST. Oh, of course, we're uh, we're out here flying and uh, trying to collect some more data. Uh, I think some of the things that we're doing out there have never been done before, especially when you when you talk to some of the manufacturers of uh, microbolometers, infrared cameras, and that sort of thing. Doing ortho rectification to video and that sort of stuff. So it's uh, we're really doing some pretty incredible stuff. I think we're going to end up with some 
some software and some technology that are going to be kind of groundbreaking. I'm, I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag yet because uh, we're still working on it. But it look it's looking really, really good at this point. And uh, the, uh, the Texas summer has kicked in full force while we're out here. Ground temps are 135 degrees on the old parameter there. The soles of our boots are kind of getting a little gummy. But uh, we're still out here. We're flying, and we're still making them go. Well, that sounds like fun. You know, um, I miss heat like that. Is it a little humid down there, or is it dry? No, actually, we're probably getting real close to what they call red flag. Uh, the humidities have been really, really low, and it's just sucking the moisture out of everything, including me. And uh, the, the trees and the grass are getting real dry. And, and that's why, you know, what that what was one year, we have 174 counties, and 170 of them were on fire at one point. So uh, that's that's the kind of stuff that we're looking at for the summer. And, and uh, of course, Colorado has already kicked off the season with, uh, you know, the biggest fire in their history. Yes, I've been I've been uh, following that. It's it's hot. That's uh, that uh, Black Forest is close to the Battle Lab, and uh, so I've been kind of following that. But um, well, I guess I shouldn't. Uh, I should at least feel good that I'm indoors. I've been spending a lot of my time getting ready for this TED show that I'm going to do Friday. I had to go to uh, like- hipster training. Hipster training was interesting. <laughs> It's a, not your typical, um, let's say, presentation, but I, I'm going for it. I think it's going to be good. Uh, Got to hang out all day. It's a big commitment for a small presentation, but it should be fun. And hopefully, uh, I'm hoping, you know, the, all the stuff that I go out there and do, these talks, that uh, people realize it's not all, uh, you know, there's there's good uses for this technology. Um so uh, moving along, this this one, this show we're doing is uh, Show 52's Commercial Space. And our guest uh, that we're going to bring on here, she's the director of the New Mexico Space Grant and New Mexico EPSCOR, which we're going to have her break that down. And also the chair for the International Symposium for Personal and Commercial Space Flight. And I'd like to welcome Dr. Patricia Hines. Are you there? Uh, good, morning. good afternoon. Yes, I am. Okay. Hi, Good. And uh, did you did you meet Jean, my uh, my uh, co-host? Yes. Uh, How are I you, Doctor? I'm uh, well. If you'll call me Pat, I'll call you Jean. Huh? We have a deal. Works for me. Hot dog. <laughs> All okay. Well, you know, I I I think I did. Um, I know I at least wrote an article, and I think I talked about it on the podcast last year when I was out at uh, White Sands. For NIE, uh, working for the Space and Missile Defense Command, I was um, I had the opportunity to come to your uh, symposium, and I enjoyed it. We'll get into that in a little bit, but uh, I, if you could, Pat, would you please uh, introduce yourself to the audience with a little bio uh, about uh, what you do, how you got here? All righty. Um, I, I have a day job, let's say it like that. Uh, I work at New Mexico State University, and I am the statewide director of the New Mexico Space Grant Consortium, and that is a congressionally funded program. There are three of these in the nation. There's the the land grant program, the sea grant, and the space grant program, each funded by Congress. Land grant is 
uh, was established in 1862 during Lincoln's administration. And the um, all the county extension offices are supported, for example, through the land grant program. And the idea there is for agricultural and mechanical arts research uh, that is done in higher education to get out into the communities to de- to benefit economic development of our country. So are you guys familiar with the land grant program in your in in California in your state, right? Uh I'm you yep. know, I yeah, he might be uh, I'm not uh I'm not aware of any grants. I'm grantless. I got to admit. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, you know, like if you go down to your um get your soil tested or uh, get a yeah, that's those are the ag extension offices. They're funded through the land grant program. Okay, okay, and that, that's okay. interesting. Uh, yes, and so uh, you, well, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your part with the uh, the space grant. Okay, so if you can take the same idea that research that's done at the universities that benefits um, our communities and you know how do we get that research into the communities and get it to the point where it creates products or services that help the communities that we all live in thrive okay so mm-hmm. the public education system in our country includes public higher education and so these three programs land grant deals with agricultural and mechanical engineering arts C grant you have in order to be involved in C grant you have to have a, be on a sea coast or a large a body of water like the Great Lakes or the Chesapeake Bay and the intent there is to take marine research on fisheries wildlife pollution um, etc that research get that into the communities that um, th- live and exist on those bodies of water so that's Sea uh, Grant, and that's administered by NOAA, and Space Grant. There's a Space Grant program in every state in the district in Puerto Rico, just like there's a land grant program in every state, the district in Puerto Rico, funded by Congress. Ours is administered by NASA. So I'm the director in New Mexico of Space Grant and NASA EPSCOR. EPSCOR, another NASA program that's strictly a research program, and it stands for Experimental Program to Stimulate Competitive Research. So what we're trying to do there is increase the ability of the states to do research that is highly competitive technically, and to that end, NASA sets guidelines for us to look at what NASA's research roadmaps, their their technology roadmap, the ex- human exploration roadmap, for example, science mission director roadmap, what does NASA need? We're there to support, through research, their mission and right. their needs. So the now, research universities do that. And that, that was me. one other... Okay, and that was one other thing I noticed at the um, at the the symposium was that the space grant, and I was talking to a gentleman there, and I forget his name off the top of my head, but uh, he was talking about how this goes down to like the high school level, right? The space grant and and research. 
what I do is I take the ISPCS funds and I involve high school students and middle school students in sending, creating, designing, building, and flying experiments into space. We just flew six on Friday from Spaceport America. Hmm. Yeah, now, see, I thought I, my school was kind of special. We had a radio station. You know, and then, uh, but now uh, that's what I was learning is that these, these, even the high school and and middle school could actually have experiments and launch them into space. That's that's pretty, uh, that's pretty impressive. I was really impressed with that. Thank so, you. So uh, that's uh, that's really cool. And I and I do want to talk more about the uh, ISPCS, but I do. Uh, you kind of gave us an overview of what you do now, but how how did you you know how does someone, how does somebody get to be in your position? Um, uh, well, I don't know. I'll tell you how I did it. Okay. <laughs> you know, um, I had my own business years ago, and one of my clients was the dean of the College of Engineering. And I, uh, it was my third or fourth recession, and I finally uh, decided that I was going to sell the real estate part of my business uh, sold it, the check cleared, and my uh, I went around to all my clients and said, okay, well, I'm not going to be in that building anymore. I'm going to operate out of here. And um, In the meantime, somebody decided they wanted to buy my business, too, and uh, so I told the dean, you know, actually, I think somebody's going to buy the business. And he said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, eh, I don't know. I think I'll go to California and do some consulting for General Motors because they were trying to figure out how to get women to buy trucks because they became trucks became the new uh station wagon for women mm-hmm. in the in the 80s, you know, the late 80s. And he said, "Well, would you mind helping me on this one NASA project we've got?" And that started it. <laughs> we wrote this uh, I helped write the proposal that you know, we got awarded the space grant program. I wrote my part in that proposal and here I am. So well, I did it. All right, so right place, right time. Now, let's uh, it, you know, sometimes it works out and it's a, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Now, the uh one other thing, I know when I was there, I was kind of busy. I was working over there at White Sands, so I didn't really get a chance to go to the spaceport. And uh, you know, I was going to run out there and have a nice uh, cup of coffee at the Starbucks. Maybe you can tell I don't us a think little so. Bit. Don't Don't tell me Starbucks is not open out there yet. Not yet. Now, is it uh, the other thing? Is is uh, do well? How often is that open? I mean, do you guys have events out there often? People going out there once a month, twice a month, every six months. Well, I'll be going out there tomorrow for my third time this week. So it just (laughs) depends. It just depends. For example, we had the launch last week, so it was a very busy time for us. It was the first NASA Flight Opportunities event at Spaceport America. So this was Friday, June 21. And that was a private launch. Well, no, actually, it's a commercial spaceport. Um, You could come to the event. Uh, We had an open registration if you wanted to register online to come. Uh, You could pay your for your uh, seat on the bus and come out and observe the launch. And we're in the vertical launch area, the horizontal launch area, which is where Virgin Galactic has their facility, is on another section of the spaceport. 
But um, yeah, it's it's open. We had a lot of press out there, you guys. So we would have loved to have you. Um, but I know that you all are very busy, so you can't just drop what you're doing and come out there. Someday, someday I want to come out there. But so, but that was a sure. private company that launched, right? What we do is NASA bought the rocket, and okay. the rocket is built by Up Aerospace, and so that is a private company, and uh, we have we had. Let me see, uh, five schools on there, because I had two NMSU experiments on there. Um, and then we had uh, other uh, experiments and payloads on the rocket. We had uh, an FAA experiment that I'm involved in. Uh, ADSB unit, we were flying, uh, we've flown that unit three times. Really? We're tracking. All right. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And it works. We tracked it ground station uh tracking as well as we um we had an antenna over in Almogordo that we used to track the rocket and uh we were able to pick up signal from the rocket from three ground stations Phoenix, El Paso and Almogordo I believe um so we're, we're just trying to refine that our data analysis process there we want to use the ADSB unit, and we have an enhanced ADSB unit. We're going to fly next flight that was developed by Embry Riddle and MITRE. So, you know, it's constant improvement. For us. Hmm. Well, you know, that that was another thing that I did want to talk about too, and it's kind of interesting because uh, you know we talk about some of the same people that you just mentioned, like MITRE and. And uh, the FAA and whatnot, and you guys are also isn't aren't you like the uh, FAA uh, Center for Excellence for okay. Space? Yeah, the the um, FAA has a Center of Excellence for Commercial Space Transportation. There's nine universities that are members of this Center of Excellence, and I'm the director, or whatever we call ourselves. We uh, for the state of New Mexico, but it's actually a national center. So we, all of us, all the nine core universities, work with universities and industry across the United States. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's kind of one of the other things I got into commercial space a little bit because I was uh, I'm involved with. Uh, Airspace integration for unmanned aircraft systems, and you know, we have a mutual friend. You know, of course, Doug Davis who uh, used yes. to be at the FA, And uh, a lot of those guys that were working on the unmanned aircraft uh, system, airspace integration, were also working on the commercial space deal. And uh, so there was right. a little bit of, uh, you know, let's say interaction uh, between me and some of those guys. And, and and I really thought, I mean, my hat is really off to the commercial space people with with the, uh, well, I guess the the what got pushed through Congress and how the FAA um, interacts with the commercial space sector. I would say it's, it's enviable from the uh, unmanned aircraft systems side of the fence. You guys have a much more difficult problem in many ways right. than commercial space. Just a huge problem. And Doug helped me understand it. And I wish there was some credit I could, you know, give myself. I had nothing to do with 
working on the Commercial Space Launch Amendment Act way back in right. the 80s when those folks in the community understood we were going to have to really work on getting this um, get this division of the FAA set up and start looking at big picture things like indemnification, cross waivers, mm-hmm. all of the uh, the airspace corridor questions have not been resolved at all, but the research is ongoing. Um, mm. But you know, George Neal, who is the associate administrator um, and the head of AFA. A-A-A-S-T. Have you all met him? I have not. He'll be at ISPCS this year. No, um, I haven't met him either. So He is very astute, and he is uh, well-versed in the international business as well. So we are in a good position in in some cases, but in other cases, we're impacted by things like the export control mm-hmm. um, regime. And now, as I understand it, the rules are um, they're moving some of the satellite technologies off of the U.S. munitions list and putting manned vehicles on the U.S. munitions list. What? Yes, what? That the seems kind of crazy. Well, yeah, I know. Well, sometimes the government, um, I don't want to bash anybody, but it seems a little, uh, let's say, counterproductive to technology. But I want to step back one step because you were talking about, um, uh, you know, basically insurance issues and whatever else. And I, that was another thing that I gleaned from last year's show was the people who will be, let's say, uh, going into space as well, they're not they're not passengers. They're participants. Is that correct? Correct. And so that's it's a little it's going to be a little bit different than say buying a ticket on a Part One Twenty One aircraft. That's correct. Correct. And okay. And uh, so I thought that that was pretty interesting uh, how that's worked out. I think that uh, one of the other things I, I gleaned from the show is the community is very um, pragmatic. Uh, and understands that, I mean, we're talking about very complicated, um, let's say, uh, technology and, and issues to overcome to go into space and reenter the atmosphere on a regular basis. Fair enough? Yeah. Correct. No, it's a little harder than on the way down. Um, one more time, Gene. It gets a little hotter than Texas on the way down. It can. It can. Uh <laughs> You know, that reentry can heat up real quick. Okay, well, before we get too much and delve into that, I, I do want to um, I want to talk about the ISPCS. And uh, like I said, I, I did get to go last year, and I really enjoyed myself. I thought it was great. Um, but maybe you could give us a little background before I go into uh, waxing nostalgically about uh, 2012's event. Okay, the. Um ISPCS was one of the XPRIZE Cup events. We started the show nine years ago as a part of the XPRIZE Cup that was held here in New Mexico 
The X Prize itself was won in 2004, and the follow-on annual event to grow the commercial space flight industry was going to be the X Prize Cup. Now, this was founded also by the X Prize Foundation. There was an international competition to host the X Prize Cup annually. New Mexico won the competition, and the first year we did the symposium as part of the X Prize Cup. X Prize Cup was a competition where you uh, could take off vertically, um, articulate over a certain number of feet at a at a whatever height, I forget the height, land, take off again, articulate over, land again. And if you did that within a certain period of time, you won a prize, and the prizes were like $50,000, $100,000, $250,000, and that was funded by the state of New Mexico. But what that also did, by us getting the X Prize Cup, it triggered um, the legislation that we had um, a concession from our state legislature to build what is now Spaceport America Mm -hmm. and there were a number of different milestones we had to hit to trigger access to that $210 million. First one was we needed an anchor tenant. The anchor tenant was not Virgin Galactic. It was the XPRIZE Foundation and the XPRIZE Cup. Hmm. And so ISPCS uh, the first year was 2005 of ISPCS, and I've been working on what is now Spaceport America since 1991. And I had been at those, you know, NASA meetings and other space meetings where we would talk about commercialization of space, increased access to space, um, single stage to orbit vehicles, um, and they were never part of the conference. These discussions were never part of the conference proper. They were never part of the session discussions. The closest we would get is discussions on updating ranges. Mm-hmm. You never, we never really got into examining issues related to the regulations, what we would do to have government as a partner in increased access to space. None of that discussion. So when I talked to Bill Gobbitz, I don't know if you guys know Bill Gobbitz, but he was the uh, program manager for the Delta Clipper program. And um, he and Pete Conrad, and Nancy Conrad was at my launch on Friday, by the way. Um, So Bill and I had always wanted to do you know, sessions within conferences that could bring students into this business of um, commercial space. But then, you know, when Bill came here as part of the XPRIZE Cup to tell people at the chamber one night what was going to happen with the XPRIZE Cup, you know, I said, you know, Bill, we ought to do something. And symposium is what we came up with. And it started that way. And I had so much background by there was so much demand and need that was unmet in the marketplace to talk about what it is we're doing that symposium room the first year was full all the time and you know sometimes you go to meetings you know and there's like three people in the room everybody else <laughs> out playing golf or going shopping right it depends on who's funding the trip 
Just kidding. Well, it also depends on the symposium <clears throat> or the show. It depends on what you're doing and who's talking and what you're talking about. My symposium right. room is you. It's all held in plenary, and that room is full right. all day long. Talks are quick. It's like TED. We have multiple <laughs> talks. They come and go. If you don't like one topic, there's going to be another one in 20 minutes. And very um, timely topics that we talk about. And um, it's a dialogue. It's an interaction. It's a full contact sport to go to that symposium. It's like it's yes. going to TED. Yeah, well, I don't. I didn't see as many hipsters as at your show as at. Uh, now, tell me about <laughs> this hipsters thing because I've been to TED and I've done TEDx events. Tell me about this hipsters. What's this? Well, you know, just the uh, the younger set, the younger technology set, seemed to be, oh. uh, you know, pretty pretty uh, cool and uh, hip and whatnot. But just kind of a little bit inside joke, but. Um, the uh, last year's uh, thing, I thought it was pretty interesting that you guys were at the Farm and Ranch Heritage Museum in Las Cruces. Yeah, you got Yeah, the people from Japan who come to the meeting, you know, they come in there and they cut, drive in the gate and they've got their ISPCS program and they see Longhorn cattle and they look at the logo that's up on the gate and they say, "Man, this is the place. What are those? What are those cows doing here?" You know, it's very, very fun to have this event out in that beautiful museum, that gorgeous location, and um, people can wander around the site. It's a large 16-acre site. It's beautiful. And then, of course, you know the New Mexico Embrace, true New Mexico boys and girls. We do have good food and the baristas and the handmade chocolates and the... So I don't want people to leave. I want them to stay there. I want them to network. So we make sure everybody is taken care of the whole two days. And after two days, people are just exhausted. They gotta go. Right. Right. Well, I did like the uh, I liked the venue. Uh, I thought that was uh, it was great. And then you know we're moving into the future with space. Um, I thought there was a a lot of very interesting people there and talking to people um, about. You know, some of them were surprised to, you know, oh, you're an unmanned aircraft guy. What, you know, what are you doing at a space show? And I said, well, you know, a lot of these, uh, I think a lot of this unmanned technology kind of dovetails with space. I mean, uh, most of the launches, are, are they uh, like the one that happened the other day? That is that unmanned or manned? Unmanned. That one's exactly. unmanned. We even had UAVs um, at the site for uh students to learn about unmanned aircraft and yes we had the uh yeah we had a balloon uh hot air balloon and unmanned aircraft demonstrations at the uh, viewing site so that students could learn about remote sensing um and they could learn how to monitor weather they could there's a lot of things that i wanted students to understand about how we track the rocket with radar how we track it with gps so uh, I use the time between the launch, we retrieve the rocket, and we bring the experiments back. And so within an hour and a half, mm. the experiments are back from space, and we start downloading data. So I had 300 people there. I want students to uh, realize during that time, we use that time uh, between the launch and the return of the experiments as a time to teach students about what we're doing, what the business is about, what's going on while the you know, rocket is being tracked, retrieved, 
cetera. So you have an educational component there, an educational outreach as well, right? Yes, I do. Yep, you got 300 kids, got to do something with them. And I have yep. parents there and school district officials, and I had Virgin Galactic people there. I had Alan Lockheed Jr., the son of Alan Lockheed, who started Lockheed Aviation. I had, you know, Nancy Conrad was there. We had um, a lot of people there to speak. I had people from the Air Force to help students understand if you want to get in the space business, the military is a good way to learn about it. Mm-hmm. Earn while you learn, as mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Our work. And this now, guy was an academy graduate, so yeah, and that yeah, the academy is nice. Now you know, and so I, I did think I do think that there are some uh, definite crossovers in the two sectors, and I do think uh, you know we've got like the Mars rover and whatever else. So I do believe there's an opportunity for uh, unmanned systems in space, and I, I got to tell you that. Oh. I, I, I mean, space, as far as I'm concerned, the commercial uh, space thing is is really wide open. There's a lot of opportunity. It's hard to get in, costs a little bit of money, but it's it seems wide open. And and one of the things I wanted to touch on uh, as far as um, some of that opportunity, and I believe there was a gentleman who was talking about actually creating commercial space in space, where it would be like a commercial space station where you could go there and do experiments. Am, yes. Is that correct? Is that Bob Seabold yes. or the Bigelow? Bigelow. Okay, Bigelow. Okay, uh, I thought that that was a pretty oh, Bob Seabold uh, with Aerospace Corporation. Yeah, him too. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty, uh, let's say, lofty goal to create uh, commercial space in space. Um, what are some of the more exotic things that, that you've you've run across in uh, in your tenure there? Well, it's actually a reality. NASA has bought one of Bob Bigelow's inflatable habitats to connect to the International Space Station as a technology demonstration. So Bob Bigelow is actually building what's called the BEAM module. They're under contract for $17.8 million to build this commercial Habitat, and nobody's going to live in it, but the company, Bigelow Aerospace, is structured to um, build commercial space stations. And Yeah, Bob Bigelow has spent hundreds of millions of dollars of his own money to construct the facility. He has licensed NASA technology, uh, the inflatable habitat, Uh, technology, and he has a plant that I've been to in Las Vegas, and very credible man. He has two of these subscale space stations orbiting right now that he launched from Russia, and so you can go online and look and see they're still on orbit. So he... He's a very astute man. He's a businessman. This is he sells space on Earth, the budget suites, and he also will sell space in space. But Bob is uh, very pragmatic, um, and he can speak for himself. He has spoken at ISPCS. The man you were speaking about last year, Bob Siebold, um, with the Aerospace Corporation, um, he was again alluding to space commercialization, but we also have the uh, this year ISPCS 2013 Dwayne Ratliff, who is the chief operating officer of the 
Center for Aerospace Science in Space, CASIS, which is the national lab portion of the International Space Station, uh, the U.S. portion of the International Space Station, uh, that NASA is not using is has been designated by Congress as a national lab. And Dwayne Ratliff is the chief operating officer for CASIS. And Dwayne will be speaking about what companies are doing in commercial research on the International Space Station and what are those financial instruments that we are using to help those companies um, succeed in their uh, developing the research. They're doing research. They're not doing development on the station. We're doing research right now. So that's one of the discussions we're going to have next year, or ISPCS 2013, which is October 16-17. We're going to be talking about the importance and the interdependence of NASA's commercial crew program and the International Space Station. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't want to lose track of one of the things you were discussing regarding the relationship of unmanned aerial systems to space is the, the communications with those unmanned aerial systems is all space-based. Mm-hmm. Well, so I, there I is that inter- I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. It, there is that interdependence. It, it, it's well, certainly a very important relationship. Right, right. And I and I think there'll be some uh, more opportunities too in the future um as that moves forward. Now, um you know, I did want to uh y- give you an opportunity to mention the uh, website for the symposium, if you'd like to go ahead and do that. ISPCS.com. That was pretty easy. That was uh, painless. Are there any other uh, websites where people can uh, get more information about what's going on down there in New Mexico? Well, New Mexico State? Yeah, ISPCS.com is the website for the show. This is the largest commercial space show in the world, and it's the one that is most focused on our industry. Now, there's another website called LaunchNM, L-A-U-N-C-H-N-M.com, and that's the website where we talk about all the projects we do in the student launch program, all the research, our research results, the schools that are flying, um, yeah, that, videos, all kinds of uh background on that program uh that is another website there so yeah. for i'm actually checking for, it out right now it looks pretty good education launch out of this world learning looks uh yeah. i didn't know about this site so i'm going to have to uh i'm gonna have to go through this because this looks pretty good you know what's another good one is the Center of Excellence for Commercial Space Transportation. That one, it just depends on if you want to get into this, you know, and, and look and see what we're doing on that thing. That website is coe-cst.org. Hmm. I'm going to have to see if I can find that one as you're doing it. But... Uh, I'm I'm going to definitely have to roll the tape back and check these out cuz I didn't know that this was out here and I'm going to I'm I'm really interested in uh 
you know, let's say furthering uh, STEM education. I, I prefer STEAM. Cool. I like to add art to it because I think that those the kids that are artists are really good as far as um, design and, and whatnot with uh, the rest of engineering and, and science. Uh, so that'll be pretty cool. I'll have to check that out in my spare time. Now, um, some other things about the symposium that people would want to attend and not miss. You, you, get, you got any more hooks that, uh, I mean, I know you got lots of interesting speakers, but uh, last year there were like mock-ups of, of actual space vehicles. Um, you had the guys yeah. out there that are actually out here from Davis that have the flying car. And uh, I don't know why uh, I don't have one yet. <laughs> well, I do know why. Me either. There's a couple of issues that I've heard that uh, from the FAA that they're sensing avoid issues with the flying cars also. <laughs> uh, a bunch of crybabies. That's um, right. Who needs I, that? We were we were very very fortunate to have um, XCOR bring out the full scale model of the XCOR links. Um, we twenty four foot vehicle. Right. That it was on its way to Florida, and Andrew Nelson um, asked if I want. You know, here's here's a great question, Pat. You want me to drop by and drop the vehicle off during our CSS? Yes, and I accept cash. Right, exactly. Yeah, nah, we don't want that here. No, now, that I had cool. to reconfigure I... our exhibit hall, but um, it was great. You know. Everybody loved it. They had a great time. I just got off the phone with Andrew about uh, an hour ago. And, see, the thing that these companies are doing is these strategies that Andrew has. We were talking about the um, Apollo Axe Space Camp that Unilever is doing in Florida in December. And Unilever has bought 24 seats on the X-Core Links. And over a million and a half people have registered to for the lottery to win one of those seats, and they're wow. going to award them uh, in December um, at the expo in Florida. I just think that, you know that's another space tourism event. I just think it's so remarkably ingenious for Florida mm-hmm. to be supportive of this. You know they don't have the shuttle program, but they they're they're very proactively creating these large super events that are attracting the young hipsters, by the way. <laughs> you're just you're latching onto that hipster thing. You're gonna have to look them up online. What's a hipster? Gonna... They're drinking Pap's blue ribbon and they have their uh knit hats hanging off the yeah. back of their heads. You'll see. Really? The, uh... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, Patrick, just because they called you Pops, you know, no, come on. <laughs> All right, Gene, now you let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> well, uh, you know, hipster is actually, it's probably an early 50s term. Yeah, yeah recycled. But, um, probably you know, from the generation all the way back then. Probably. Now, the I did have a conversation with Andrew at the uh, at the twelve event, and he did say, "Oh, hey, I've I've got the mock-up. Go back there, go sit in it." And I I did sit in the links, and um, you know, I, I it was actually roomier than I thought for a spacecraft. Got to be honest, I was like, "Wow, it's it's a little tight in here, but uh, a lot roomier than I thought." There's definitely room for an overnight bag. Yep. And there the will back. be experiments 
being conducted on that vehicle that is a hand-flown vehicle as well as the Virgin vehicle is hand-flown. They are going to be very um, engaged on those vehicles, so pilots love the idea of these vehicles because they're um, the way they're Job. designed. Well, that and then you know maybe a little uh, you you know you could be a uh, you know space plane pilot or astronaut in the future. You know more opportunities, great for everyone. Well, the conversation was extremely interesting. I, I really find uh, commercial space very exciting. Again, thank you for uh, you know I attended last. Year. I enjoyed it. If I'm out at NIE uh, 14.1, I will definitely stop by for a second round. But I want to thank you very much for being on today, Pat. Thank you. It was my pleasure, and I'm and and uh, I'm glad I also got to mayor, meet uh, Gary. If I got Gene. that right, Gene. Um, the late one the late guy yeah late late man gene i'm gonna remember that dig the pops dig gene (laughs) (laughs) i'm just teasing anyway all right well until next week everyone we'll see you then take care bye-bye